We have the privilege this morning to hear from the very words of God in Acts chapter 8. We're going to read a couple different parts of the chapter, but begin here in verse 4. It says, Now those who were scattered, they were scattered because of opposition to their faith. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who, who had had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so that there was much joy in that city. We catch the text again in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went, and there was there an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before a shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth, in his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about somebody else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotos. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Samaria. This morning, we're going to take just a moment uh, to talk about commitment. We're going to talk about uh, real deep commitment and yeah, not so much commitment. In fact, we, we may spend more time talking about the not so much commitment because there are a handful of things that you said, nothing is ever going to stop me and I'm going to do this if it takes my whole life to do it. And, and, and if you're working on those things, man, fantastic uh, for that. But on, on the other side, there are some other places where, where sometimes we're a little we're a little commitment short. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not you. Maybe this is just, just about me this morning. But every once in a while, I'll be sitting at home and say, man, I could go for some ice cream. Man, I'd like uh, some ice cream. Maybe, maybe that, that, that world-famous tangy turtle. Uh, boy, that'd be really good. And I think, 
yeah, but Eddie's is so far on the other side of town. And so I don't go. And so some, sometimes I'll be sitting in my chair, and, I, and I'll think, man, I, I could really go for a, a Diet Coke. Man, a Diet Coke would be re- really nice. And then I look and say, man, but the kitchen is just way over there. Uh, and then there's other times that I'll be sitting there watching TV, and I'll be thinking, like, why am I even watching this? Well, how did this get on the TV? What, what, what kind of, there, there's got to be something better on. And then I look, and the, the remote's way on the other side of the couch. And so there are those kinds of things that we say, I'll do anything. And they're like, you know what, it's not worth the drive. It's not worth walking across the house. It's not even worth reaching over there. Those are some low commitment points in our lives. But this morning, we're taking a look at a passage of Scripture where we see high commitment. We, we, we see high investment. In fact, what we're looking at here is a character that is deeply invested in his own life and his own spiritual life. And in fact, we're, we're taking a look at two people that are highly committed. And what's going to happen in this passage of Scripture is that we're going to see the intersection of these two committed people. And what's going to result is a story, an encounter that is worthy of our days of hope emphasized. Emphasis on our days of hope when we're thinking about praying for people and inviting people and sharing our faith with them, helping them meet Jesus and follow Jesus with their own lives. This is one of those stories that shows us some things about how we can become people of hope. We can become people who are effective in sharing that hope. So you ready to dive in this morning? Fantastic. See, that sounded like commitment. I appreciate that. Uh, that, was, that was really, really good. Uh, but as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, there are several things that I want you to notice. One of the things that is true in this passage and is also true in the world in which we live is that we will find that there are people who are spiritually hungry and searching. We will find people who are spiritually hungry and searching. As we come back to Acts chapter 8 and we take a look at this passage, one of the key verses here is verse 27. Verse 27 is like an entire biography all in one verse. If you take a look at that verse together with me, it says, uh, it says that Philip rose and he went like he was told. And then the rest of the verse is about the Ethiopian. It says there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, there's a ton of information in that, but one of the things that you really want to hear for this moment is you just want to hear some general geography. He is from Ethiopia, and he is going to Jerusalem. Now, understand, that's a trip. Understand that if you just drop a dot on Google Maps here, and then you just drop a dot on Google Maps here, it's, it's 1,500 miles. The problem is the world doesn't work that way. You can't just teleport, fly from one direction. You have to follow the road. And so if you follow the road from where he is coming from all the way to Jerusalem, that's 2,500 miles. Now, in your mind, you're like, I don't really know how far 2,500 miles is. Try Seattle. Try Seattle. That's the, to be honest, Seattle's 2,600 miles, but you got the general uh, idea that if you were to walk from here to Seattle, it's 2,600 miles. And the thing about his journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, there's no Bucky's. 
There's no giant truck stops with everything that you can get. There's no places to stop in that way. It is a hard journey. He is probably covering that 2,500 miles at about 20 miles a day. This is an investment. This is a long trip. Not only that, but the, the, the conditions that he is traveling with. He is traveling through the Sinai Peninsula. He is traveling through the Sahara. He is traveling through some of the hardest terrain that there is for weeks and weeks and weeks. Why? Because he's heard a rumor of hope. Because he is searching for an answer. He is searching, he is searching for a word. He, there is a hole in his life spiritually that he is looking to fill in some ways. When we take a look at the passage in, in a few minutes, what we're going to see is that on his way back from Jerusalem, he is reading the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, I think for a long time when I looked at this passage of Scripture, I assumed that the purchase, that the, the scroll was something that he bought while he was in Jerusalem, kind of a souvenir. What are you going to buy when you're in Jerusalem? Buy a scroll from Isaiah. That would be a really good thing. Looks great in the living room. Show all of your friends uh, what's there. But the truth is, I think the reason that he went to Jerusalem is because he already owned a copy of Isaiah. I, I think that somehow he had come across the word of God. And Isaiah, that most helpful of all of the Old Testament books, what is sometimes called the fifth gospel, that, that thing that brings the most good news and hope, he had found that. And it drove him. He is reading from Isaiah chapter 53, which by the way uh, is one of the passages that were in our chapter and verse series. But if he knows that scroll, then he has probably read from Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56 says this, Let not the foreigner who has joined him, joined himself to the Lord, say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold, me, hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. It says that he will receive them. He will give them joy that there will be a place in their house and in his house because his house, that the house of God, will be called a house of prayer for all people. I think the Ethiopian somehow got a copy of Isaiah, and he said, I must find the source of this word. I must find the person, the place, the community that this word is pointing to. And so he put in all of his time off request. He cashed in all of his savings to make this trip. I want you to know that there are people all around us that are hungry and searching for spiritual things. Now, they're not easy to see. You don't always identify yourself. Some of you remember the old Mexican restaurant, uh, Pancho's, and when you wanted more food, what, what did you do? You, you ran up the flag, and any time that you had a need, I, I need some more food, you ran up 
the flag. And so everybody in the restaurant, I wish they would bring this back because I really like the, the concept. Run up the flag. I need more food. We don't have the same outlet that people give when they're hungry for spiritual truth when they're hungry for spiritual life. But I want you to know, and probably people wouldn't run that flag up quite as fast. But I want you to know that even though that you don't see it on the surface, we are surrounded by people that are looking for an answer. This man traveled these 2,500 miles because he had heard a rumor of hope. And he would transport his life to hear that answer. There are people that surround us that are also hungry and spiritually. Now, that may not seem right, but, but I want you to know that there are things that are found in Jesus that this world is looking for. There are things that your family members, that your friends, that those people outside of that friend circle, that they are searching for that is found in Jesus. Well, one of the things that, that people are looking for that are found in Jesus, that's truth and meaning. Not everybody spends all of their days deeply philosophical, but every once in a while, like, I need this world to make sense. I need to understand why this world matters. I need to know what direction I'm supposed to be pushing my life. Jesus offers truth and meaning. Jesus offers a compass for life, gives a sense of direction, a sense of what is up and what is right, what is the way in which we're supposed to live our lives. He explains all of that in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he shows us this is what the right kind of living looks like. People are looking for, I need to know how to live my life. I need a compass for my life. It's in Jesus. People that are surrounding us, are looking for a message of love and of hope. Well, where, where is that message of love and hope? Where, where are you going to find that message of love and hope? This is not a world that has majored in love and hope. It's found in Jesus. People that you live with that surround us are looking for grace and forgiveness. And we know what we've messed up. At least we know a section of it. Man, we walk around with regret. We walk around with brokenness. We walk around with guilt. We walk around with shame. We, we walk around asking for a do-over. How, how can I get out of this? Jesus brings grace and forgiveness. There are people all around us that want an encounter with the real indwelling presence and power of God. They want to know that there's a God who heals. They want to know that there's a God who speaks. They want to know that there's a God that rearranges things for His work and for His purpose. They want to know that there's more than just the stuff we can touch and feel. Jesus provides that presence and that power of God. They are looking for community, a place to be received, a place to know 
that they are loved by God, a place to know that they are called to be a saint, a place to know that they're welcome right here next to me. They're, they're looking for community. They're looking for an answer for eternity. Let me tell you, Jesus is the answer for all of those things. And while you may not be able to see that everybody ran up the flag of their searching, I want you to know that there are people this week that you're going to come in contact with that are searching just as much as this Ethiopian that traveled that incredible distance to try to hear an answer of the God that he had heard about. There are people who are searching. The second thing that I would tell you is that we're going to also meet people who have been terribly frustrated and disappointed along the way. People who are searching, people who are hungry, but they've been terribly frustrated and disappointed. Here's the thing. We can't necessarily see the details in this passage, but there's a couple of hints here, and there's a couple of realities. He has traveled 2,500 miles. He's on his way back. How'd it go? How'd it go? I'm going to guess. I'm going to tell you based on a little bit that I understand. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. In fact, he's coming back and he is still saying, will someone please explain this to me? I still don't understand this. I think it didn't go well because when he showed up, he clearly looked like someone who didn't belong there. But when he showed up as a foreigner, he wasn't warmly received. When he showed up as a Gentile, a person who wasn't Jewish, he would have tried to get to the temple, the very reason he had made the trip, and he would have seen signs that said, this is not for you. And in fact, just a few years later, there is a rumor that the Apostle Paul brings a Gentile into the temple and they almost kill Paul on the possibility that maybe he had brought a Gentile into the building. This man has traveled 2,500 miles. And what he finds is a sign that says, this far and no more. This, this isn't for you. And then as he turns around, and I think deals with this discouragement that he made the journey, came up empty. And whatever hope that he had had for answers is in his rearview mirror. And he's moving further and further away. And he still says, how can I understand any of this if someone isn't around to explain it to me? I don't understand it. There are lots of people today that are hungry and thirsty and searching for meaning. But they've had some of the same experience where they've been frustrated and disappointed. Sometimes they're like, there's a pull in my life. There's a hunger that I have. I know that there's something more. But I got no idea where to start. I don't even know who to talk to. I don't know where to go. I don't know the process. Let me tell you, we have more and more people today that are disconnected from church and the process of knowing how to seek after God than we've ever had before. In fact, they are so disconnected that they hardly know someone that knows someone that knows someone that knows someone through this process. 
So some people are terribly frustrated and disappointed because they want to. They have a hunger. They have no idea how to go. Some people are, are frustrated and, and disappointed because they've tried and they've just looked in the wrong place. You know, I said, I, we couldn't tell, you know, who was searching spiritually. I think there is one way we could tell who's searching spiritually. If we had everybody's Google searches. Now, we, we don't have access to that. Just want to be clear, we're not that kind of church. Uh, we, we, we don't have that. But I think people sit on their phones, on their computers, in the privacy of their own home and say, explain God, explain eternity, explain this, explain this. I got to tell you, not everything that comes back on that Google result is the right answer. It's wild. It's wild sometimes because there's just so many different things that come back. It's wild sometimes because there's a meaningful percentage of those that are, that are wrong. And so they're frustrated. They're frustrated sometimes because like this man... They feel locked out. They've come to the place that they thought they could get an answer. Whether it was a church or a person, they've come to a place and said, now here is where I can get the answers for what I'm looking for, and they found a sign that said, this is not for you. Just this, re this week, I, I read somebody's post online, not anybody that I know. Uh, I hope it's not anybody that you know. They said they were a young lady, 24 years old, had some relationships fall apart on her life. She'd been living with somebody, and that relationship had, had, had gone sour. It threw her into a fit of depression. It messed her up financially. She began to have panic attacks. She began to have a struggle. She developed an addiction. And what she posted was, what I really would miss and what I really would like is a community like a church. But I know how they treat people like me. You know how judgy they are toward X and Y and Z. She wanted to come stand at the door of the church. And she felt there was going to be a sign that said, not for you, not any closer. I don't know this person. I, I don't know their story. I, you know, it breaks my heart. I'm trying to process that. Some of it is, man, I hate this. There are some churches that have that spirit that if you have disappointed the people in that church, if you've gone down a road you shouldn't have gone down, if you've done something that they could say, we told you so. If they had high hopes for your life and you disappointed them. 
can feel like a sign that says, no further. This is not for you. Now, it is my deep prayer that there are not a lot of churches like that. And I'll fight to make sure this church isn't one of those churches. I mean that. I mean that. But I'll also tell you, it only takes one or two voices for a church to sound and look judgy. We have 300 people in church today. Two voices. One voice. In the parking lot, in the bathroom, in the foyer, someplace. One voice is all it takes to make this church in the name of Jesus, sound judgy and not loving. Man. For someone to come to the door and feel like there was a sign that said, this is not for you. I'll tell you, there's another piece to the puzzle I will tell you that there are sometimes churches that are not judgy, that do not have a sign that says this is not for you. Churches that are full of grace and love. But sometimes that individual is so insecure, so anxious about the mistakes that they've made, so regretful, so full of shame. So they, 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 they think, if I were to walk in there, this is how they would feel. It's not how we would feel, but they think it is. That person needs an arm around them. He says, that's not how it is. This is for you. This is a place that's yours. You are received. No matter your race, no matter your history, no matter your present, no matter your future, no matter your politics, no matter anything. There's a place here. And so whether they have experienced the reality of a judgy, hard place, they need someone to put their arms around them and say, that's not here not here, whether they fear that it might be a judgy hard place even when it's not, they need someone to put their arm around them and say, that's not here, that's not Jesus, that's not the case. Watch what God does in this passage. The Ethiopian is leaving Jerusalem shut out and confused and discouraged. Philip is preaching in this big city and the movement of God is breaking out. Demons are being cast out. Miracles are being performed. The town square is full of people listening to him preaching about Jesus. 
It's the kind of thing that preachers and pastors and, and Christians dream of being in that kind of environment where the Spirit of God is breaking loose. Oh, man, wouldn't you want to be there? And God tells Philip, I need you to leave there. And I need you to go to the wilderness, to the desert. I want to say, because Philip, there's a guy there that you're going to meet. He doesn't even tell him that. He says, just go. Here's the reality. There's probably a 15-minute window that he needs to get to if he's going to meet this guy. But he calls on Philip to leave this profound movement in this city to go to the desert <laughs> meet one guy that's what God says that's the heart of God and you and I have the opportunity to be Phillips in people's lives People who are hungry and searching, people who feel locked out, people who feel like they don't have hope, people who don't feel like they belong, people who don't know where to start, you and I get to be Phillips in their life. You might get to do that this week. I pray that you do. One more thing I want you to see here. And that is that we will meet people who are ready to say yes to Jesus with their whole life. We will meet people who are ready to say yes to Jesus with their whole life. Philip meets the Ethiopian. He hears him reading the scroll of Isaiah. He asks a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, are you kidding me? I did better in calculus than this. I have no idea. Someone's got to explain this to me. Philip says, I'd be happy to. The number one question that the Ethiopian is reading, and he's reading this great passage. He says, is Isaiah talking about himself, or is he pointing to someone bigger and more significant? And Philip says, let me answer that for you. Let me tell you about who he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. And he begins to take from that passage of Scripture, that place where his life is, and tells them everything there is to know about Jesus. And the Ethiopian, they come to a, now this is amazing, they come to some water someplace in the Sinai and the Sahara. They come to some water and the Ethiopian says then, is there anything that's standing in my way for me to be baptized? Now here, I think he wants to know, is there another sign that says I can't fully participate? Is there another sign that says this far? Is there another sign that says this is not for me? Philip says, let's do it. They stop the chariot. And on the side of that road, the Ethiopian gets baptized as a new believer in Christ because as soon as someone unlocked the door, he said, yes. I've never had a chance to go to the Holy Land or that place, that region. 
And I have a feeling they have no idea where this spot of water is. I'd like to go to that spot of water. Is there anything that keeps me from saying yes to Jesus? No. No, there isn't. He gave his life to Jesus. Commitment became not only as someone who knows Jesus, but follows Jesus in that very So what does this mean for, for you and me? One, be obedient. There's a couple of different places here. Philip was there in Samaria. He was there in the city. He was there in a place where God was at work. And God said, leave. But God, we're, we're doing good work here. This is really great. I've waited my whole life to be here. In this kind of, God said, leave. He left. And when the chariot comes by, he said, the Spirit of God says to Philip, Go, and I love this, Philip ran to the chariot. It wasn't just like, hey, hey. He ran to that chariot. I can almost hear him when he's out of breath. Do you understand what? Because he was obedient. He ran all the way there. Be obedient. There's going to be someone. There's going to be a moment. There's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be a situation. But God says, go talk to that person. Go sit down. Talk to Jesus about that person. See how they're doing. Ask them a question. Be obedient in that moment. Uh, secondly, man, you gotta, you gotta get close to people. I love the fact that he got close enough so that he could hear what the Ethiopian was reading. Close enough that he could say, wait, that's Isaiah. Wait, he's reading scripture. Man, if we want to have influence in people's lives and we want to help them meet and follow Jesus, we're going to have to get close enough where we can hear what they're reading, see what they're thinking, listen to what they're dealing with. We've got to become better listeners before we are speakers sometimes. And then, like Philip, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready to invite people to say yes. Sometimes we want to be so careful that we're not pushy, that we're not shoving things down people's throats, that we're not confronting people, that we don't ever get to the place where we say, hey, would you like to hear about Jesus? Would you like to follow Jesus? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? So I would encourage you, be obedient. Get close to people listen to their lives, and then be ready to ask them if they want to be a follower of Jesus to give their life to Jesus. One more thing before we finish. The Ethiopian was baptized because that was his celebration of the new commitment in his life. It's the same thing we do back there. And if you're here today and you're a believer, but you've never had the opportunity to celebrate that in baptism, Man, come talk to one of our pastors. We, we, we'd love to celebrate that with you. We, we, we can't go find the Ethiopian spot of water. But we can find yours. We can find yours. And it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a profound and important word. 
Lord, I pray that you'd be with anyone in this room today that has felt locked out. Man, for whatever reason. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd help them to know that, man, those locks are gone. Those locks are gone. And those locks have nothing to do with you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with people that we're trying to tell about you, people that we're praying for, people that we're inviting, people that we're sharing the gospel with. Lord, I pray that you would give your people opportunities to be part of that. Lord, I pray that you'd be stirring and moving just like you were in this man's life. Lord, so that we can celebrate person who says I'm ready to believe and Lord they begin to believe Lord we pray these things in your name Amen we'd love to pray with you about anything in your life we'd love to pray with you about someone that you're praying for if you've been on the outside trying to look in and today you're like wait I can do this I can believe, I can be part of the household. Answers yes. We'd love to pray with you about that. Whatever it may be, would you stand and would you respond?